0: Let's speak to our two experts this morning. Professor Anna Menon, Director of the UK in a Changing Europe. Morning, Anna. Morning, how
1: um, are you?
0: Yeah, very well, thanks. We've got hey. Arnie Mielken as well, Vice President of the Institute for Export and International Trade. Hi, Arnie.
2: Good morning, good morning. Great
0: to have you with us.
3: All right, let's get straight to it. This could be one for you, Arnie, I think. Oh. Uh, it's Rachel in Birmingham. Hello, Rachel.
4: Good morning, good morning. Oh, hi, good
3: morning, morning good, morning, Rachel. good, morning. good morning. morning. Tell us your situation and then we'll get Arnie to uh, bat it back.
4: Yes. Yeah, so I run um, a, my company, Rachel Simpson Shoes. We're based in Birmingham. Um, we manufacture all our premium women's shoes in Spain, um, and over seventy percent of our of our wholesale business is export, um, yep. and we sell retail as well. So obviously, for us, you know, Brexit is, is very much um, at the top of our list, keeping an eye on everything that, that's going on.
2: Yes. Funny.
3: Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Worrying times.
2: So you. Yeah. So. Rachel just if I may ask you so you're sending all the you're sending your your shoes around the world and you're producing them in Spain and then they go from Spain around the world or they go to the UK first and you for the wholesale market
4: well, this is the thing, and I suppose this is the question I'd love to ask, uh, Mr. Johnson, if if I could, because you uh-huh. know, we've been on we've been on every single course going. You know, we've been yeah. I work very closely with the Department of International Trade, um, have done for many years. Um, we've been on every single sort of course. Uh, we've been on the websites. We've 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 followed all the all the all the you know get ready for Brexit uh, instructions. But as far as I can see, it's just contingency plans you know so we've got contingency a b c but until we have any actual hard and fast facts we can't actually get ready for brexit which has been my bugbear really since mm. the beginning so okay what's
3: uh, your question for mr johnson and uh, arnie milken will play the part of boris johnson okay oh, so what's that
2: question what an honor
4: yeah, so, so so, my individual situation is we, um, yes, at the moment, we actually ship everything into the UK because we offer a very tailored uh, sort of delivery, really. So it comes all into, into the UK and then we, we sort of fulfil from there. We've looked mm-hmm. into third party fulfilment um, options, but we could potentially spend an awful lot of money and expense and find the wrong business partner for, for nothing. Mm, yeah. Um. You know, so it's what is the likelihood of us having to move on our fulfilment? Or do you think it's realistic that we would like to keep it in the UK?
2: okay great question so I'm um, you're right to be concerned and it is of course wonderful that you are doing all the steps you're getting ready for brexit for the economic brexit um, and, and that is a really good step to do so keep on doing that I'm afraid you you know keep attending courses keep mm-hmm. learning about what the difference is between is just moving goods around the European Union and becoming an importer and an exporter because they are very different the key thing here I, I heard you say is hey are we you know is is this really going to happen? Is there something that 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 does definitely change? And 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 yes, Rachel, the changes are now in, uh, inevitable, regardless. And this is really crucial for everybody to understand the outcome of these ongoing EU UK negotiations. It is now clear that we will be a third country to the EU, and that means changes for your business quite significantly. Concretely, Mm. and um, just very quickly, your, your, your Spanish company or the Spanish supplier will become an export and will have a lot of admin administration and you on the other side need to deal with all the imports. And that's quite a difference because customs formalities and checks will have to be dealt with.
3: Okay, thank you, Rachel, for that. Quite an administrative load, then. And another caller, Rachel.
0: Diana owns a couple of florists in the northeast. Joins us now from—is uh, it Gilling West in North Yorkshire, Diane? Uh, Gilling West. Gilling. I'm
5: so sorry.
0: That's all right. I know you're feeling pretty upbeat at the moment, aren't you?
5: Uh, well, <laughs> I think upbeat might be stretching it, but oh. I think with <laughs> everything that's been going on, you do look at life differently, and. Um, you know, sort of we're coming, uh, we're in this pandemic um, and then we're talking about Brexit. So I think the only way to go is up and not do the negative because um, I just don't personally like it.
0: OK, so look, let's ask on then. Che- reasons to be cheerful because there does seem to be a lot of anxiety around, however you feel about Brexit, but around the prospect of a trade deal. Can you give us reasons to be optimistic about a positive outcome from these talks, Anna?
1: Well, I suppose the bottom line is I think both sides would still rather have a deal than not have a deal. And that is, for me, the fundamental reason for optimism is that ultimately both sides would rather, if they can, avoid a no-deal outcome. And that's what makes me still think they might manage to compromise enough to get something. That being said, it's worth bearing in mind that if we do get a deal, it will still, for people who import and export, like the two callers we've heard, may have an impact on their trade because even if we get a deal, it will be relatively thin and it will change the way we trade with the European Union.
0: Where will the compromise come from, Alan, do you think?
1: Uh, Well, I think the compromise has to come from both sides. So I think the EU is going to have to shift its position on fish, for instance. It can't simply expect and demand the same access to British fishing waters that they had when we were a member state. And I think the UK government has to agree some compromise on state aid that at least accepts the legitimacy of the EU having concerns about the government here subsidising companies that then go on to compete in the EU market.
0: I don't know, Diana, if that moves you into the sort of more upbeat mood than before, but how <laughs> worried are you about a no-trade deal? Do you have any idea how that will impact on you?
5: Um, that was speaking to my suppliers, we obviously... Um, you know, buy flowers on a daily basis that come from um, Holland. Um, so, you know, we've sort of obviously had good working relationships for uh, nearly 40 years with um, Dutch suppliers. Um, for us, if it was sort of on a selfish note, um, that's we, we, we have big flower buyers in the UK, so that's the, for Holland to worry about how they get the flowers over to us. They need us because we're selling their flowers um, before we went into to Europe, um, it worked very nicely as well. So I'm I'm not I don't have any problems about how we're going to get our flowers. I know that the Dutch will get the flowers here. Um, pr- price wise, we're going to be on a level footing with um, supermarkets and you know the the big players. Um, so that's where we kick in because we have actually. You know, we have trained florists where it's not done on factory lines in different countries. We can now use our our skills to add value to the product, thus giving us a bit of a, you know, actually a big step up because we can do very clever floristry. And keep our shops going on the high street. So t- to me, it's quite positive.
0: Uh, thank you very much, Diana, uh, who owns a couple of florists in North Yorkshire.
3: So we're talking about Brexit. We've got great Brexit expertise this morning from Professor Anad Menon, who is director of the UK Interchanging Europe, of course, and uh, Arnie Milken, who's vice president of the Institute of Export and International Trade. Going to come to a caller in just a moment. It is Kevin, I think, in London. Hi, Kevin. With you in just one second. I just want to put some something to, to Arnie. Now, mm-hmm. this fact that the, these, these plans published tomorrow outlining unilateral mm. measures that the government say needed to align the agreement with UK law, do they, do you think, breach the, the spirit of the withdrawal agreement, the letter of the withdrawal agreement, or as many would have it, look, if you can't, if, if, they, if the EU are being so intransigent, we have to move on this stuff. We have mm. to make it work. So, sorry
2: you <laughs> Well, well, look. That's that's a question that you know lawyers will will dribble over, and the Commission and the and the, the UK will will dribble. Well, let's see what the plans are. I think they haven't been published. They'll be published tomorrow. Um, I just think it, it is quite extraordinary to invite the EU Commission to London for a round of negotiation, and then while they are on our turf, so to speak, they unveil these potentially explosive, um, explosive new measures or, or rules. The key so point are they us-
3: explosive though? Because some of these rules. Well, and many people reaction. are saying are open to interpretation, they're open well, to movement, they're they open to flexibility. Yeah.
2: look let, let's see what they are. I get your point. Um, let's not let's stay calm. Let's see what they are. Focus on what's on, on 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 what we look. The one thing that's really important for us now, for us people and businesses, and, and Anand will hopefully agree, is we need to focus on the task ahead, and that's getting us ready. We can't get distracted by uh, by the polit politics of it. I understand that's really important, but we, as you've heard from Rachel and from from um, from the lady importing flowers, we have so much to do in terms of licensing, rules of origin, dealing with tax issues. Getting ready. So let's focus on that. The politicians will do what they do and will 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 get ready because there's a lot we can do already yeah. to prepare, regardless of the deal or not.
3: And we would expect our politicians to do thing in our nation to do things in our nation's interests. Per chance. Kevin in London. Hi, Kevin.
1: What would you like? Tell us,
3: Hello. tell us your own situation. What's your own business situation, and what would you like to know from our experts?
1: Yes. Okay. I run a small business uh, importing elevator equipment from the EU. And um, we've only got a few months to go to the end of the year. And as I'm quoting jobs all the time for future work, um, when will we know, if we go to WTO rules, if there's no deal, what the tariffs will be or and when they will kick in?
3: Anand, do you, you
1: want to kick in here? Tariffs? Well, I'm not going to pretend to know off the top of my head what the tariffs are for elevator equipment, but what I would say <laughs> well, is the UK the UK has published <laughs> its tariff schedule... Uh, and the EU's tariff schedule is public, so you can look up online what the two sides charge on the relevant equipment. Uh, I should also say that even if we don't end up trading on WTO terms, you're going to have to fill in paperwork that you don't have to fill in now to register as an importer or an exporter, and probably I would have thought be prepared for slight delays in things getting out or coming in, simply because the ports on both sides of that new border – aren't going to be properly equipped as yet to deal with the new situation and so there are going to be holdups at least to start with.
3: Okay, thank you very much indeed, Kevin, for that very important point It's 7.55. We've got
0: John in London. Hi, John. Good morning. Hello, what question would you like to ask?
6: Uh, a two-part question. Uh, I operate as a one-man service uh, company in the live event sector so our industry is already on its knees. Um, so we uh, part part 1 is uh what do we know yet about uh having to apply for work permits as uh, skilled people working for short periods in Europe uh because of course we've we're losing our right to uh work freely and uh, part 2 is uh what are our liabilities going to be on social security uh uh payments uh doing short uh, periods of work in multiple EU countries.
0: Wow! Who wants to start with that one, Arnie? Do you want to talk about work permits?
2: Oh my goodness! I'd love to. <laughs> um, <laughs> but see, this is something that where we still actually need to wait for the outcomes of the negotiations because this is not covered by by the uh, the, the basic trade uh, free trade agreement that we talk about, but all the other parts then, that that um, uh, that they may agree or may not agree. So on services, we're not as clear as we are on goods yet. So. I have to. I have to maybe defer to Anand because, I, in my understanding, this might not actually be regulated at a European level, but it might actually need you to go to the individual country and check what their rules are. Because I don't think that services are part of the trade deal that we're negotiating. So it's bad news for services, I'm afraid.
0: Sorry,
6: John. And what about uh, social security implications? Uh, having to pay national insurance twice.
0: Any idea well, on that look, one, Arnie? Sorry.
6: Well, well, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in trade,
2: so I'm not the best person to ask about this. But it's it's very important, obviously, because if you are if you are moving uh, into the European Union, then you will could potentially be charged. And if there is no bilateral or European deal, then these are issues we need to deal with. But you know, we, we need to we need to consult the text that comes out at the end.
0: Anna, can you help on that particular issue?
1: Yeah, as far as I'm aware, there isn't really a negotiation on social security going on. So you're going to be bound by the provisions of whichever member state you're dealing with. So at a minimum, this is going to get more complicated because rather than dealing with one system, you're going to be dealing with 27 separate ones. And the same applies to visas as well, in that if there is no agreement on uh, business travel, then you're bound by the uh, rules and requirements in each individual member state for third country nationals, which is going to be complicated Mm -hmm. but doable.
0: How how problematic, John, is this going to be for you in terms of your own work prospects?
6: It's an utter shambles. Uh, Like you just said, we we could be dealing with 27 uh, individual work applications, 27 uh, tax returns. And uh, this could just be for sometimes just doing work for two or three days. Or, Mm. uh, you know, it could could be a a contract for a couple of months, but... uh, you know, frequent, frequently, I'm, going, you know, I'm just going into one, one EOC, EU state for, let's say, three or four days at a time. Uh, you know, the, the paperwork is just going to be onerous.
0: Right. Well, maybe these are some of the details that Boris Johnson is talking about ironing out um, over the course <laughs> of the next... Few weeks that wasn't my snort of laughter. There, <laughs> we've got it.
3: We've got thank text you, John. Questions. I've got a text here though for both of you, uh, Anand and, and uh, Arnie. I'm not surprised your expert uh, didn't know tariff prices on elevator equipment because they're constantly <laughs> going up and
2: down. <laughs> oh, no, <coughs> oh, yeah, that is so I'm, good. I'm reassured.
3: Really, so <laughs> uh, morning, guys. I'd like to know why they're having another round of talks when it's blatantly obvious the government do not want a deal. That's from Mark. Well, it's not blatantly obvious, Anand, is it?
1: I don't think it is blatantly obvious, no. I think part of what the government are doing is covering its back. That is to say, the rhetoric this week serves a purpose in two ways. One, it helps us get ready for no deal, and it helps us it helps the government blame the EU if there's no deal. But two, if there is a deal after what we've heard this week, Boris Johnson looks like a saviour for achieving the impossible.
3: Yeah, well, we shall see what announced. Thank you very much indeed. What great experts this morning, Rachel. Always it? great,
0: always great experts. Apart from that
3: embarrassing lack of knowledge, about elevator equipment tariffs. But never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Thank
0: you, Alan. Thank you, Arnie, so much. Uh, I'm sure you'll be back here again before too long.